Greetings, and welcome to The Thirsty Mage, a podcast that's produced the follow-up to a two-part episodic show in a reasonable amount of time. I am your host, David Lloyd, and tonight is the follow-up to Final Fantasy VII Remake, in which we break down the plot and discuss all the story details. This will be the one and only warning that you'll get. This episode is so spoiler-filled, it's not, it's just, that's, this is all it is. It's just spoilers as far as the eye can see, so if you haven't played Final Fantasy VII yet, Remake yet, and uh, don't want to be spoiled, uh, maybe just uh, save this in your podcast player and play it in a little bit, because uh, tonight we're going to be going through all the, the nitty-gritty. And uh, here to break down the exploits of uh, Team Avalanche is the man who is tasked to do the heavy thinking, the Thirsty Mages Biggs himself, NWR Reviews Editor, Jordan Rudick. Uh, you know, I'm glad we decided to make this a two-parter as opposed to doing like a three-hour podcast like we did for Fire Emblem. I think this is a smart way going forward if we want to do a spoiler cast, make it the uh, the second part of a two-part uh, uh, package there. I think, uh, I think we should go for that from now on. Yeah, well, we could just be uh, be like the companies and just milk uh, milk these big games for multiple uh, multiple clicks, you know? I mean, I don't even know if they're yeah, exactly. I don't. I, I don't I, we, we're selling the second episode of the podcast for sixty dollars or full retail price, guys. Sorry, um, I I don't even know if there's another game this year that we would do a two part episode. Like maybe maybe Cyberpunk if we really like it. But um, yeah, this was definitely an opportunity to take a very meaty game that we're all very excited about uh, and break it down into two parts. So I know we didn't really touch on the story last week, so. Yeah, it's going to be uh, all story all the time, and especially uh, a long discussion about the ending of this game, which uh, we've got some interesting thoughts about. So, Yeah, and uh, joining us to drop his explosive theories on the future of this remake is uh, filling the Jesse role of Team Avalanche is NWR, NWR owner Neil Runahan. Yeah, uh, so Jesse's alive. We think. I mean, if you look when they have the scene with Biggs, Could be. I will give this credit to, uh, to Matt Zawadniak of, of Nintendo Report. Um, who pointed out that Jesse's gloves are on Biggs's desk when we see him? Yeah, I, I noticed that when they were uh, looking at him, but we don't see Jesse, so it could it could. I be mean, it's either going to be a actual, souvenir of her, well, well, of, her so, of her death. So I guess I guess like um, I mean, because God, what Biggs? Do we see? I forget. Do we see Biggs like die? in the in in the the course of the game at all because we see wedge get like taken yeah. by the whispers um yeah so so bigs so we see both bigs and jesse presumably die because they they yes. both like you know keeled over on the tower and then yeah wedge so the thing with wedge though is that we saw wedge get taken by the whispers in shinra tower but we don't see wedge after the fact yeah so there's no guarantee wedge is alive either but the whispers are protecting people; they're not killing people. So presumably, them well, well, taking him away isn't to, to hurt him. Well, but it is because the whispers are protecting the original plot of Final Fantasy VII, and Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse all need to be out by the end of Midgar in Final Fantasy VII. They are they are characters that go away. So that's what that's what the whispers are doing there. But I I think we're we're gonna see Jesse in the gold saucer, probably alternate reality Jesse. Or alternate timeline. I don't know. I, I don't know. This this game went all Kingdom Hearts. Turns out, when the Kingdom Hearts team makes a Final Fantasy game, it's a hell of a lot like Kingdom Hearts. My hope is that the second game, the sequel, part two, whatever the hell they're going to call it, uh, my hope is that that's ex- just Gold Saucer. You spend the whole time in Gold Saucer playing mini games. I- I'd be fine with that. I'm it's, still it'll like... be a Final Fantasy VII version of Mario Party. Well, well, one, like, I mean, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Remake is a subtitle. It's not the, like, like... I mean, it's a Kingdom Hearts ass Kingdom Hearts subtitle, but 
Like, I will be, I it is it is of my belief that whatever the sequel to Final Fantasy VII Remake is, it will be Final Fantasy VII, some subtitle. Because I think that's the one thing, and it, and it kind of goes back to, I, I know we all talked about pre-launch with this game, about how, like, well, they're being disingenuous, like, this isn't really a full remake, it's just part one of it, but but as as the game kind of presented itself, like I think Square knew exactly what they were doing in calling this game Final Fantasy VII Remake because it's it's this portion of it is the remake of Final Fantasy VII and the future after this game, which if you go by a lot of what Nomura and Katase, a lot of what they're saying about the future versions of this game is that it seems like the the sequels to this are going to hit the same beats. Like you're still going to go to Calm, you're still going to go to Nibelheim, still going to go to the Gold Saucer, but potentially what you're doing in those might be a little bit different. Like, I do think there's going to be a sense of deja vu that sets in with some of that as some of these characters like are aware of what's happening because there are, there are several characters in this game that are aware that something is up and we see over the course of this game, some characters learn of what's happening and figure out what's going on. Let's save our. We're we're going to dedicate our last call tonight to to speculation about what the sequel could be, and I I do I do have some similar thoughts as you, Neil. But uh, David, maybe we should get into what we're drinking tonight. Yeah, you can you can start us off, uh, Jordan, with uh, with your uh, drink for the evening. Sure. So I've got. Um, I wanted to try it because uh, my wife quite likes it. It's a um, uh, a vodka lemonade. So it's it's in a can. It's uh from a company or uh, the brand is called Muddlers. Uh, and I guess they make a bunch of canned beverages that are kind of like, kind of like cocktails or drinks that you would make, but just in a can. So they've got like a, a Moscow Mule, they've got a gin and soda, they've got a vodka lemonade, they've got one more. I can't remember what it is, but uh, we bought uh, a six pack of these when we were getting barbecue takeout the other night. So uh, the nice kind of thing about getting takeout is they've lifted the um, restriction on buying alcohol, so you can you can get alcohol with your takeout. At least that's how it works here. Uh, you're not normally able to do that. So uh, we, we indulge when we can and, and support uh, the local businesses. Uh, so Muddlers, uh, Muddlers Inc., uh, they are from Vancouver, BC. Uh, it's a pretty, it's pretty good. Like I, 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 again, I'm not a huge fan of either of the flavors normally, but it's, it's a very kind of lighter flavored lemonade. You'd really, you really don't taste the vodka. Uh, I think it's 5%. Uh, so pretty light. Again, another good summer drink. Uh, that, that's probably going to be my theme because my, my wife likes to drink a lot of uh, uh, lighter kind of summery uh, drinks in the cans uh, that we buy. So, um, yeah, Muddler's Vodka Lemonade. Pretty good. Um, if you it, it um, I was going to say it tastes kind of like a pink lemonade. And now I've realized that it actually says pink lemonade in the can is, of course, pink. So uh, if you like your <laughs> uh, vodkas and you like your lemonades, maybe you like this combination of both. It's pretty good. Um, I can't have too much because the vodka will, will bother me. But uh uh, the first sip is good, and I think people would like this one. So, Muddler's Vodka Lemonade. Give him a shot. Vancouver, BC. Yeah, they, uh, so for me, I went with... Um, last week, we had I had a Gainsbourg, so I thought I better get another one. And kind of wishing it had about three times the alcohol, because this one's only a six percenter. I was going to uh, say, you've got the wrong beer for tonight. <laughs> oh, I need about 18. Um, so, but the one I picked is Clyde. You know, it's funny though. It's cause, because it actually uh, turns out to be um, very on brand for what's going on because it's it's an American brown ale. So, mm. it, it it it's a darker um, beer, which I thought I was signing up for, but then it was bitter at the end. So, I mean, it's got a bitter aftertaste. So it, it just 
That's works great. out perfectly. So yeah, uh, that, that the I was not expecting a, a hoppy bitter aftertaste. Yeah, so I wasn't expecting wasn't <laughs> expecting it because it was a dark beer. But that's what yeah. I got, and you know, that's life. So what are you what are you gonna do? You still enjoy the beer overall. <laughs> it's just that aftertaste. It, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I enjoyed the, the beer like overall, the combat, but I, the but I the beer was the really beer is a good, good combat system. I but, really really yeah. like some of the moments in in during the beer, and it, then right just right at the end, yeah. kick of the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> The beer looked beautiful, uh, but the 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 ending, the what what you're left with, just uh, leaves you upset and depressed. Did you really you really like the portrayal of Barrett? <laughs> there's like a weird there's a weird thing where there's like an older beer that none of us can really play right now. It's only available. Uh, you can only drink it on the PSP, and it's not even available digitally. Yes, yes. You have to go to a store and buy it. Uh, it's so dumb. I hate that. Like I. that's why like gee was like oh you know jordan why do you want a a, a psp when you have a vita it's like reasons like this because not everything is playable on a vita like i I wish so so here's i i was starting to dig into more like what the hell like why isn't crisis core available digitally and so there's like the japanese he's like a japanese like superstar of sorts I'm, i'm not up to date on my japanese celebrities but this guy gacked that uh that like nomura was super into getting for to play a character in uh, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, or or is it Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII? I forget how it's called. Crisis Core. I don't remember. That um, but so it's this guy who probably cost a lot of money, and in order to get him to be in it, they it, the, the the theory is that there was a ridiculous deal in which like this this celebrity who probably got paid a lot of money had to write off and get paid whenever that game were to be re-released so that's probably why it was never available yeah. digitally because they'd have to go and negotiate with this very expensive celebrity voice actor and of course you're not really when you really when you come up with a game like that you're trying to make it as good as you can be yeah. you're not thinking down the line like oh when the psp is like two or one or two console generations removed are we still gonna be able to sell this digitally it's, it's never even in your mind yeah. right so uh it's a shame when things like that happen they're tied into these uh kind of a in hindsight, it looked like ridiculous deals, but at the time, I'm sure it made sense and probably probably moved a bunch of units because of that. So now, Neil, I know you're not drinking exactly what you've written down in the notes, but why don't you indulge us here a little bit? Um, so I'm drinking Dr. Stamp cream soda. It's it's a, it's a weird tasting soda. I feel like I've never seen it before. Like the usually usually yeah, this is, no. the bottles designed differently, um, but in this right, specific right. soda, it's it's designed in a weird way. It makes me think that maybe I'm not in Kansas anymore, or or maybe I'm not in mm. Midgar anymore. Not not in Midgar proper. That's right. Anyway, I, I have it's Dr Pepper and cream soda. I needed a little caffeine boost for this marathon of a podcast that I anticipate. So, and, and I'm, those, I'm those the Dr. Pepper are still regularly soda. found nearby you. So I actually so I when when last we discussed it, you know, I I found it in the liquor store pharmacy that I went to. I went to uh, for something that will only make sense to people in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and thereabouts. I went to a Wawa to uh, like order like it's like a convenience store, high high quality in my opinion. But like I uh, used their app to order sandwiches and stuff, and then went in there and like you know. How does it relate? Can you compare it to a Walgreens? Because I, no. I I know what Walgreens is. No, it's not a Walgreens. Walgreens, like Bigger, yeah, like smaller, Wawa. More, Wawa more is more like pure convenience store. Uh, open twenty four hours. A lot of the places have gas. You can go there okay. in normal times. They have like touchscreen menus where you can order sandwiches and stuff like that. There's okay. like you know like you can get coffee there. 
almost like a fancy 7-Eleven, yeah, maybe. Yeah, fancy 7-Eleven okay. is probably a much better approximation. Uh, but gotcha. they have an app, yeah, so, yeah. like, I, like, ordered sandwiches and a milkshake through that, and then I just go in mm. there and, like, contact lists, you know, pick up what I ordered yeah. and leave. But I happened to walk by yeah, sounds the, good. like, the cooler aisle there, and they did have Dr. Pepper cream soda there. So I think it's, hmm. I, I did start looking into it more and it seems like it has gone maybe not fully nationwide, but it's in a, it's yeah. seems to be fully around America. You can apparently it's all sold out currently, but it is available yeah. on walmart.com. So the, the nice thing is then if the, I'm, I'm hoping that it's more widespread in your country, because the more widespread it is in the, in the States, the more likely it is to come to Canada at some point. Yeah. And it, it may not ever, but at the very least, when the borders eventually do reopen, I'll be able to go down to Bellingham or Seattle, uh, just south of me, and and, and grab it. Maya, because it, it's definitely we've never we've never talked life. about this. My sister lived in Bellingham for like five years. No kidding. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I when I was younger, we my my it's a really really coincidental story, but my grandparents on my mom's side had a a trailer in like this kind of uh, park or like a, a very rural area where where you it was called Paradise or something like that, and everyone have their like trailers set up. Uh, and you know, just to kind of, you're kind of camping out in your trailer, right? Uh, they had a lot with their trailer and then beside them and not, not intentionally or anything. My dad's parents also bought a trailer. They were literally side by side in this (laughs) random park somewhere, somewhere outside of Bellingham. And so we would go down there and stay, stay with my mom's side but sometimes my dad's side would be down there. It was just, it just a really, weird. really weird coincidence. But yeah, that, those are my memories of Bellingham. Like, uh, we went there fairly often. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, so, like, we would enjoy all of the, like, different American products. You know, the different yeah. sodas, the different cereals, the different, like, takeout, take-home meals or whatever it is, you know. And so uh, we would watch Nick at Night uh, in, in the trailer. Fond memories of, like, the Dick Van Dyke show and... <laughs> Uh, and stuff like that, you know, like that, that was, that was part of my childhood growing up. Uh, cause my, my, I don't think my brother and sister remembered as much cause this was like 20, 25 years ago or something, but yeah. yeah, just a really, really weird thing that happened. Like we would go down there like multiple times during the summer, but, but anyway, uh, Dr. Pepper rate, said, I, we, I hope you get to try it. <laughs> um, it's, it, it has been like, the, yeah, I, like I whenever I go out, I, I have like two other bottles. It's just, I, whenever I see it, I'm like, well, I'm just going to grab like three. <laughs> you got to grab one for me at least. Yeah, uh, drink, no, drink like, one I mean, if, if every push time, comes yeah. to shove, if if it, uh, I'll try to keep a stockpile so that way, like, if the borders do go down, and you're like, it's not here, I can send it to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if God forbid, like, they, oh, we've we've decided it's going to be a limited run, and we're we're not making any more. Yeah. You know, yeah, that that's what you need to save some for me. I I stepped out for a quick second while you guys are talking because uh, when you when you mentioned that Crisis Core uh, is only on a, a UMD, it got me mm. thinking. I'm pretty sure I own Crisis Core. Oh no, do you? <laughs> I found oh. Crisis Core. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's really, awesome. you have it? But I have it. Do you yeah, have a PSP? Yes, I have a oh, PSP. Okay. And I remember. I, have a, I remember the you UMD had a PSP. of Crisis Core. I'm looking at the manual. Nice, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you should play it. That, see, now you got to play it to wash this taste out of your mouth. I suppose. I mean, yeah, maybe. I've, I've heard it's legitimately. <laughs> I've heard it's a really neat RPG. I've always wanted to try it. I just, I never owned a PSP at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I have to give the credit to my brother though, because it's his PSP that I took from him, <laughs> and uh, they were his games. So, well, he's good taste if you go out Crisis yeah. Core at the very least. Yeah, it was Crisis Core, and I've got a ton of Metal Ge- all the Metal Gear Solid for okay. uh, the PSP. So that's those are the games I inherited. Hmm. He was I got him hooked on Final Fantasy when we when I was at home, and the and that and uh, he was a Metal Gear Metal Gear fan. Wait, so. he's got he's got Metal Gear Acid then. 
I remember that game. I think so. He's got all, like, I've got about probably, well, he's got, like, more than one copy of some of the Metal Gear, so it's hard to, <laughs> I don't even know how many I got. I don't know what he was doing. But you have Crisis Core. You have, like, it. the PSP game that's hard to play right now. Yeah, yeah. it might be, wor- might be worth doing something with that, actually, David, if you can, because I think a lot of people want to know about Crisis Core and, like, you know, what, what the connections to the game. Maybe there's uh, some light to be shed by playing that one. Maybe I can uh, hack it together and get some kind of... Uh, there must be some kind of connection maybe that I can record. Vid- the, the best would be if I could record gameplay of it or something. That, that, that would get some hits these days, I think. So. Yeah. You know, know, anytime you're recording footage off a, a, a technology that's not in use anymore, right? Like no no one has UMD players or, or uh, if yeah. you don't have a... Was it proprietary to PSP or was there... Yeah. I don't think yeah. there's any other way to play them other than PSP. You could buy movies right. for that thing. Like, why? <laughs> Yes, yeah. that's right. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, someone out there uh, knows how to hook up a a PSP to some kind of recording device. He can tweet me I, and let me know. I'm sure Jeremy Parrish does. So just reach out to Retronauts or Jeremy <laughs> right. on Twitter. And if there's anyone, or maybe even Digital Foundry or something like that, someone who's always like digging up older stuff and making comparisons or whatever. Alrighty. Well, we better get into uh, the discussion because who knows how long it's going to go. I mean, it, the the dam is bursting here. Like the the yeah. <laughs> the, the flood of ideas about the ending and about the characters and everything are, are is ready to ready to come well, through. So. We can't give away the farm right off the bat with the with the endings. We're we're going to start with uh, the part that I that I enjoyed the most uh, mm-hmm. for, for Final Fantasy VII is, and that was uh, learning about the characters, getting uh, much more development than the original game. Uh, at least in like the Midgar section, for for sure. I I guess what we'll start with, uh, maybe we'll just go through some of the characters quickly, and then just uh, talk about the the different things we enjoyed about it. Like right off the bat, we've obviously got way more backstory about the Team Avalanche. Yes. Um. Yeah. We there. We've learned that Jesse was an aspiring uh, singer, or or you know, uh, actress, or whatever. Yeah. Perform, that, performer. Yeah. A performer. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, yeah. It was, I think was it acting? I think it was acting. Was her thing was, but either way, she wanted she she was, wanted yeah. to play at the Gold Saucer, which is what she'll do yeah. in the yeah. sequel. <laughs> we can and, live in hope. Yeah, and then uh, Biggs being the uh, had run the orphanage in Sector Five at one point, mm. and I, I don't now I could be I can't could be remembering wrong. I don't remember Wedge having a backstory. No, he doesn't. He's just a fat guy. No, I think he I think he's just, you know it's funny they feel like um. They, I think they treat him a little bit like a puppy dog. Like they're like he's they're, they're trying to take. I think the other members of Avalanche got to take care of him or coddle him. You know, like yeah. he, but he's so he sweet has this to the cats. Inferiority complex, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, got, he's so does, nice he does to have the his cats. cats. You know, I think that, and yeah. I think it's it, the the him having those three cats. I think it speaks to like he's kind of the the loner of the group or the outsider a little bit. Like he's you know not. Yeah, he doesn't have this big backstory. He doesn't have like these other uh, aspirations or things that he's done. It's more like they're kind of taking care of him, or you you need to take care of him because he can't take care of himself necessarily. I, I, I don't know. Like I I like the I like the fleshing out of all these characters. I think I I really like Jesse and Biggs. Maybe Wedge a little bit less uh, of, a ta- of an attachment to him, just because we didn't know as much about where he's coming from. Yeah, I don't feel like they gave Wedge a whole lot to work with either. Like, because I was thinking even voice acting wise, like I felt yeah. like the, the 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 acting for Biggs and and Jesse was a lot stronger than Wedge. But I I I don't know if I'd necessarily blame the voice actor. I think it, it's more no. like you said he he had a role to play, and there's not a whole lot you can do with it. 
He's yeah. the he's the comic relief, right? Like he's meant yeah. to be the the light the lighter character of the more the Jesse's obviously like the romantic interest. Uh, Biggs it seems, seems to be the more serious type, yeah. I suppose. You know, he's the one who go he go he goes in with the missions. He goes ahead of everybody, kind of scoping things out. You yeah. know, I I really felt attachment to Biggs. Like I felt like he's the of all the characters on one of Avalanche I want to see go through. I really I I believed him. I trusted him. Like I felt like there there's there's a Barrett seems to you know really really care about biggs especially and tifa as well like they're they they almost like see him as a a de facto leader of avalanche as well you know yeah. so uh yeah. really really liked biggs i loved the voice acting from him and i'm very excited to see him come back uh in the, the kind of <laughs> yeah. credits or the post credits or whatever but i mean the the avalanche trio i mean it's it's wonderful to see them uh more developed i think because i i have you know kind of an overarching issue that i have with this game in total and i think that jordan you might agree with some of my sensibilities here as a fellow uh mm. enjoyer of games that aren't super super long i feel like some of the avalanche stuff might go it might go a little too long and maybe not the the yeah. most egregious aspects of the pacing issues in this game definitely like could be the stuff that could have been cut but by that same token mm. i really enjoyed spending time with these characters uh it is also absolutely like nefarious and hysterical how how naked it is that square is just like we're gonna make jesse the girl everybody loves like yeah. just every line out of her damn mouth you're just like oh god damn it like they're they know what they're doing and they're doing a good job at it she, she i mean she's she's half super cute and she's half thirsty as all hell right yeah. and, and it's great because like no matter which type of character you want her to be i suppose or what kind of love interest for cloud you want her to be she she kind of does a good job of balancing those two types i suppose uh i, I do i do really like her i do it's it's hard you're, you're almost forced into choosing like okay which which girl would you want cloud to be with you know in theory uh jesse uh tifa or or eris eris i don't care i'm gonna call her Aris. um <laughs> And yeah, no, I I ended up really liking Jesse. I thought the I thought the memes and everything about her was really funny to see. Uh, everyone seemed to have an opinion about her. Um, but yeah, the, I, I think the Midgar trio, like there or the Avalanche trio, they really add a lot to this game. And I think one of the reasons, Neil, why we might feel that uh, some of those segments overstay their welcome is because we know there's more Final Fantasy VII remake coming, right? Like if this yeah. was a self-contained game, you might be like, oh, okay, it's okay to spend time with these characters and then move on and then you know we don't move on from them like this is the game proper it's done but because we know that we're going to move on from these characters presumably uh even whether they're still alive or not i there i don't see jesse biggs and wedge being major figures they're never going to be playable this, uh, characters. series right no of course not and, and like we were we're meant to feel so much about their situation in this game the whole game is set up to present them as sympathetic characters like you you want to side with avalanche we get a lot more about who they are, why they're doing this, and then their their presumed deaths at the end of the game are very impactful, right? Like, I I, I think you can force. Uh, there's a little bit of foreshadowing for them. I I, w I don't think it was uh, a super big surprise when you you actually are with Biggs and uh, Jesse when they die. Uh, but I still felt those. I still, I still think they resonate. You kind of know, like when you're just before you're about to go up that tower, when the helicopters are shooting at them. Like, no, people aren't making it out of this alive. But when you when you get there and it happens, and they're kind of like willing to sacrifice themselves for your party, like you, you really, I think you really feel those deaths, you know. And so, I, 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 I think they really uh, succeeded in that element of the the avalanche trio. So my thing is, I, I think thematically. 
uh, Jesse plays the role of Aerith in this game. Uh, and what I mean by that mm-hmm. is that yeah. uh, if you kind of look at Final Fantasy VII Remake as being, you know, well, I mean, it's it's a sequel to Final Fantasy VII, if, we, if we're being totally frank. Uh, but that, we'll discuss more about that later. Um, but just later, looking at it as, time. you know, the, the beats of the original Final Fantasy VII and translate those beats into Final Fantasy VII Remake, her death is kind of the same Maybe, maybe, yeah, no, probably same point of the story where Aerith gets killed in the original game. And that's why, like, like I don't think that, like, Jesse is necessarily replacing Aerith um, in totality in this game. Like, like I don't, I mean, I, I do, I, I have a strong suspicion that, like, we haven't seen the last of her in whatever capacity. But, like, it's not like she's going to come and get stabbed through the chest by, by Sephiroth in the, in the City of the Ancients or whatever. But I think that thematically, and, and I mean, thematically they, they already, for this game, she's Aerith. The, but they already do that moment. They do that same moment with Barrett, right? You see the sword yeah, through the yeah, chest. Yeah, that too. So they, it's hilarious. It, 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 whether Jesse fulfills that Aerith role or not, they actually play the visual for you, right? They give you yeah. the, oh, oh crap. Like that that's a sword through Barrett's chest or stomach. He's dead. And I, I, I was almost certain they were going to do that with Barrett, actually, because they, they really do so much in this game to make him very likable. Um, he, he's emotional, he's brash, but he's funny. He's, uh, he's loving, he's caring of all the people in Avalanche. And I think he really grows attached to Cloud. Um, whereas in the original game, Barrett seems to be kind of like a, a loud mouth. And he, his, his main trait is that he's angry all the time. He's angry about what Shinra and eventually Sephiroth are doing to the planet. But in this game, he's so well-rounded. I think he's my favorite character actually. And I, really... I always had him in my team, even if even if he wasn't always the best person. I just I liked having him around. He's he's a good comeback story for me because I did like first yeah. first five to ten hours. I think we even talked about it. I didn't really like Barrett as much. Mm. I kind of liked almost literally every yeah, other character yeah. that you interacted with other than Barrett. But over the course of the mm. game, you see his his brash nature that defined him so much in the original game. That's a that's an act that he puts on because he is playing the role. I mean, it's, he believes in the cause and everything, but he's playing the role of a revolutionary. Like that's what when he's amped yeah. up like that, it's because he's he's vamping for the cameras. Like there's that specific point um, when uh, oh god the Airbuster sequence when like he's like we're on TV. Yeah, yeah. I gotta like I gotta do my thing right now. Like everybody's yeah, seeing it. Great. <laughs> um, and then yeah. as you get to the later, later half of the game, as he does show his emotional side, you, I mean, he's always had that for Marlene, but you saw it for everybody else in Avalanche and it is yeah. like really, it's honestly kind of cute seeing his friendship with cloud develop over the course of this game, because it is, it is that moment, like seeing I mean, them early on, you're like, man, if this plays out like the original game, y'all going to be best buds by the end of this. And mm-hmm. by the end of remake, like they, they kind of are. Well, it's, I think that's one of the successes that they did is that right at the beginning, they uh, they were that separate and it feels, it felt like a natural progression of from beginning to end where they were that close by the end. Yeah. Yeah. It feels earned. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they feel way more close than the original. Yeah. And sure. one of my favorite lines too was um, uh, in the, in the final battle, I think it's with the whispers where uh, I think it's Tifa and Barrett are fighting off whispers and Cloud comes in and he's like, you're alive. And he's like, yeah, you happy to see me? He's like, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it's I remember so that. Like, that's, that's their friendship. Yeah. And and on the, on the other half, that, of that, that the, he's still saying something like that. Like they're in the, in the middle of this huge battle and he yeah. still can crack wise, you know, it's, it's really, really endearing. 
Yeah. On the other half of that friendship, like Barrett's wonderful, but I like the characterization of Cloud a lot too. Cause they do. Yeah. They, yes. there was always that kind of goofiness. Like he was very, you know, cocksure and everything, but there was a goofiness to Cloud that I didn't, I always worry about people kind of like nailing. Uh, Cause like, I mean, have you, you guys have both seen Advent Children, right? Yeah. Yeah. A long time yeah, ago. A long time ago. It, here, yeah. Here's, go, go read a Wikipedia page on it and look at how some of it connects to this game because that movie's terrible. Um, But like the cloud in that movie just sucks, but the cloud in the original game is kind yeah. of wonderful. And they managed to capture that cloud and even give him a little more depth, make him like a little bit more of, of kind of an awkward, awkward badass, so to speak, because he does have those rough edges. And it is like how like, when I mean, like you have the moments where like Jesse kind of comes on to him and he just like shoots it down. Um, and even how he interacts with Aerith early on, um, his relationship with Barrett throughout the game, how he how he's with Tifa. Like there's it's it's a really tough character to to get right. And I think they I think they they got him right. I, I like how they throughout the game, they keep him um pursuing or pushing that uh mercenary uh perspective yeah. right or that mercenary uh, aspect of him like he even makes a joke near the end of the game as well like oh you know so you're gonna join up with us or you know you're ready for the next mission is like you know for the right price or if you pay me enough or something like that like he, yeah. he makes another he makes another joke like that barrett joke uh, the david that you just brought up he makes a joke like that about still being <laughs> needed to be paid to save the world you know it's hilarious and like i think clearly that that dry sense of humor that he has come really comes out and you don't have to wait until like it's in the base game where uh, you kind of lose cloud for a while he, you know he gets knocked unconscious and he's kind of resting in that town it's after that when he rejoins your team that i think he really becomes that stronger character yeah. but you don't have that singular i don't think you have that singular moment in this game i think it's slowly but surely just as the story is unfolding in remake that you you do see him becoming more attached to the people around him, realizing the cause that he's fighting for, seeing the plight of all the people in the slums. Like, he's not desensitized to that like maybe he might have been in the original game, you know? Yeah, like if you if you especially if you do the side quests because I think you get yes. a lot of his personality in the side quests. Yeah. Yes, a lot. Yeah. Like there's even the one um in Sector 5 when the kids are need him to to go I think they're like search, they want want him to search for one of their friends or something, and he's like, "Well, yeah. it's gonna cost you," and and they're and they're like, "Well, we you know how about uh, how about we give you a, a treasure?" And he's like, "How about you give me three hundred gil?" And they're and they're like, "No, three, no, three gil. Yes, for yeah. three gil." I think. Originally says three hundred. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. They yeah, say, yeah, "No, right. no, we don't have it." And then he says, "Well, yeah, I'll I'll do a discount for you. How about three yeah. instead?" Yeah, yeah, it's very cute. Yeah, so he, you, yeah, you can see him soften through those, and then like with the Angel of the Slums quests as well, and mm-hmm. um, there's just so many things where you just see like you, you can see the wall coming down every time someone in need is needs help, and yeah, uh, so yeah, I I just love how the the characters like every all of them. I, I don't know if there's that. I think the only character that I didn't feel too much attachment to was Roche. I think he was the only guy that was like, "Why is I mean, this?" He only guy shows here? up once. I was hoping he came back. I wanted yeah, to. I, was I wanted for him it. to make a comeback. I th- I thought for sure during the the final bike sequence near the end of the game, uh, or the second bike sequence, I guess. I th- I was hoping he would come back, even just for like a comedic scene, you know, like he yeah. or maybe he comes and helps you like fight off some of the Shinra guys. I, I, sh- fun, I was but... sure he was going to be in that final that final uh, highway. Yeah, scene. I thought I they were sure setting it up for him to come back, back too, but yeah. 
Maybe we'll see him in, in, a, in a subsequent game. I, I can't imagine they've only brought no. him up for that one scene. It makes sense for the weird. one battle with him. It just felt like an it was like an anime uh, commercial or or like it just He's seemed odd. Yeah, yeah, he, he wants to odd. dance with Cloud again. Didn't you hear yeah. him? I just thought for I thought I thought for sure it was going to happen in yeah, this game though. Like, I, I, I will thought, I will yeah. say like around every corner I was like, is Roche coming back? And like I, I mean, I think he's <laughs> yeah. a character that's hard to totally judge because I feel like all they did was like, yeah, it was like a teaser for a future thing. It's like when like yeah. Doctor Claw just shows up in like Avengers Two or whatever, where it's just like, hey, you know that character? Like, well, kinda. And when's he coming back? Yeah. I don't I, know. I, I like four movies. It from could now? be. It could definitely be something like that. Drop him in, and hopefully they'll find a, an opportunity to use him later. Yeah. I guess. I mean, he does kind of represent, I, uh, you know, how. Mako is messing with soldiers like because he's definitely mm. unhinged you hear people talking about like oh god is he gonna show up and he's just yeah. he's a loose cannon like I mean it is kind mm. of getting into that how how soldiers don't get a normal life that dude don't got a normal yeah. life I can tell you that much it is you getting to see another character that's like cloud right like he has similar abilities to cloud and I, I like when they make it seem like cloud isn't like the only person who's like that you yeah. know like sephiroth is an obvious foil to him but there are other people that underwent similar trials or processes that cloud did and look they've got you know they're gonna fight you in a similar way like you're it's almost like the, the shadow fright from adventure of link right where you're yeah. you're fighting someone who's al almost he's got all the same moves that you do and so you kind of have to outsmart them and I think his fight is one of the f the first ones where you do have to outsmart him. You can't just like go in guns yeah, you blazing have to use or Punisher he's mode you, right? and use counter. Yeah. Okay. Before before <laughs> we get into, we should we should move over to the to the ending because we're it's going to take up a lot of time. But before we do, I want to ask Jordan. Thirty five minutes on the characters, <laughs> and did, I still want to talk about Barrett more. Right? I know. Did you <laughs> go on, did Jordan? Did you you utilize the counter move in Punisher mode? Not once, not once in the <laughs> yeah, entire game. Exactly, Did you know exactly. that the counter move was there? I think I I knew of it. I didn't I didn't remember that it was attached to Punisher mode. I thought I thought it was attached to I thought it was attached to um, guarding perfectly. Uh, like you okay. you hit the you hit so the R one button as soon as they attack you. That the deadly the deadly dodge that does like I area know you damage. get it very early. Yep, yep. Um, See, yeah. I th I thought I thought that was just attached I to just, i thought that was attached to rolling at the right minute um so so like, i I'm, feel I'm, like i played I, I, a different you know, game than you guys because i saw punisher but it was like cool countering and like yeah. used it on every melee attack that came cloud's way for the entire yeah. game like the shock troopers are bafflingly easy with that because you basically just like instant stagger yeah, them yeah. uh there's like the what is it the reno or i think the reno and root fight you use it in both and it's pretty effective yeah See, I I was playing it like Dark Souls. Like, yeah. I was playing exactly like Dark Souls, right? I, I'm I'm actually use, I feel like it's I'm using the same bu the same buttons as I would use in a Dark Souls game, <laughs> where I'm I'm roll I'm rolling around all over the place, late waiting for an opportunity to dash in and land a few hits, yeah. uh, and uh, occasionally, like if if I'm getting a spell cast against me, I would use the I would just use the standard block. Uh, but so I, the, I wasn't really countering it. I'm still really enjoying it. But yeah, the the, like, the offline conversation we were having was just that a couple of us felt that the tutorial did not do a good job of showing you how to use it. The tutorial yeah. certainly tells you it exists, but it doesn't put you in a situation where you need to use it or show mm -hmm. you how to use it. And yeah. so it just says here it is, and you can use it. But but there's no need it. to use it. It was very so helpful. I, I went through throughout the entire game. Well, you don't you don't need it to win to beat the game. 
at all. Yeah, you don't need I think to that, use it that's, at all. that's the interesting thing is that it, it exists, but you don't need it. I like that. I like when there are layers to the combat that you don't even have to peel off to be successful, right? Like, I'm sure yeah, the yeah. game, maybe it's better, maybe it's more fun, maybe it's faster if you do have that counter, but if you can figure out ways to win the game without it, like, kudos to a game that lets you experiment or play differently. Yeah, after after we talked about that, I started I started asking around to just be like, okay, like, how did you do different battles to, to different people? And I think what I realized with this is it's it's something that's great, but also maybe not as great. And that you can brute force a lot of this game, especially like the first half of it in mm-hmm. normal mode. So like if you if there is, you know, like Roche is, is one where like you use counter, that's a much quicker battle. You can totally do it other ways. It might take a little longer. And as you go through the game, I think there's definitely boss battles that if you don't use certain strategies, it's not that you're not going to you're not going to succeed. It's just going to like you're going to slowly whittle away damage. And I think it's something that mm-hmm. may- maybe it is, maybe the tutorialization needs to be better. Maybe if there was a higher difficulty level that forced you down to using these specific strategies, which is kind of what hard mode is, maybe that would be the better route. I do love that there's so much flexibility and nuance to the battle system, but I think that it, yeah. it maybe it doesn't do the best job of reminding you that you have certain things. Like I do think to a, a game that I played around the same time of this and I need to play more of it because I've been enjoying it a lot. Trials of Mana, I think does a really good job of being like, Hey, like you're using this. Here's a little tutorial pop up just to remind you, like do aerial attacks on this B. And I think you could turn that off in Trials of Mana. I've, I'm only like three hours in. I think you can. Um, yeah. But like the fact that that's there, like that would have been more helpful if like you're in a boss where you're getting your ass kicked and it's like, Hey, remember you can counter and punish your mode that's the thing is like every enemy did have if you like i used um access on everyone yeah and, it, to- and it told you how to beat the, f- the 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 opponents yeah it it was not until you never needed counter until rufus that's the only and, time you needed to use that counter move and even then you can beat him without it like you yeah. you, yeah. you can you can yeah. you can stagger you can stagger him when he's reloading and you can get a few hits in and then yeah. go back to shielding. Or you know, the hilarious thing is, by the end of the game, you're gonna have so many healing items that you <laughs> you can brute force any any battle, right? Like you're gonna just, have either healing items or tons of yeah, ethers and Jordan, just, Jordan. Use, use, just cure materia or curaga. There's there's no items. You can't use items in hard mode. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah. never tried. And it. you have to rely on magic That's for brutal. everything, and you also don't regenerate mana um, at benches. Like it's. Oh, really? It becomes a very different game, and it that does it does brutal. put that battle system yeah, that to the weird. absolute test. Um, I do want to, and I think this would segue nicely into uh, what David has put in the notes as the stupid ending. Let's talk about the two characters that are um, probably alternate timeline or alternate reality versions of their characters. So first off, I would be remiss if, if I didn't point out something that talking to, to Matt Zawadniak from NWR... Sephiroth is basically introduced like Darth Vader in Rogue One, where if you don't have any pre-existing knowledge of him, what the, f- what is, what is he? Like there's, yeah. there's no explanation to who or what Sephiroth is, which I guess is a little bit in line with the original Final Fantasy VII, but with how this game ends, it's kind of nuts that they do nothing to explain who Sephiroth is. I mean, it's not just how the game ends, it's the fact that Sephiroth, his DNA, his blueprints are all over this game. You flash back to him constantly. He's popping up all the time. And so if you don't know who Sephiroth is, if you don't have the background knowledge of the original game, 
it's it's jarring or it, it's yeah. awkward, you know, to keep seeing yeah. who the hell is this guy? Like I don't know like, anything about me, it unless you play the. I knew who the dude was. I really liked how Sephiroth is used, but I can't like it is it is definitely worth calling out that like do not play this game <laughs> if you haven't played the original. Hmm. Well, there's a cutscene that explains who he is. Tifa and is Cloud there? talk about him. But but yeah, but yeah. not not it doesn't explain why he's so bad and why like yeah. why he's like controlling Cloud and why he's like you know, needs cloud and all this. I, I think it, it explains a little bit, David, but I think there's not enough of the background filled in for how much of a role he has. I think that the, the problem, that problem is because the game ends before the real game is like, mm. because we stop in Midgar, like, Oh sure. Yes. Yes. But, yes. The, but, but this isn't a remake of the original game. It's a sequel to it. Well, that's, that's an opinion. I mean, but it is, but this is, this is, there are characters in this game in Sephiroth and Aerith that have lived through this before. Like Sephiroth, or one of the four Sephiroths that are in this game, because apparently, I, I told you guys about this before, there is the Sephiroth that is in Cloud's Dreams, there's the Sephiroth that is like in the weird hooded figures, there's Advent Children's Sephiroth shows up at a certain point, and then there is the Sephiroth from the end of Final Fantasy VII proper. Yeah, I, I don't, like, I, I'm not ready to call that actual yet. Like, go go I'll, look into I'll, Ultimania. It's a theory. Like, like the, multi, David, the multi-Sephiroth you know theory. At least one of those Sephiroths is real. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know one of them is real, and there's multiple ones, but yeah, I'm not multi, convinced multiple that they, thing that they live through the canon. first game. Hmm. Like, it's not a theory. The multiple Sephiroth thing is in Final Fantasy VII Remake Ultimania. It is it is canon. And, and it's canon that he lived through the first game. Well, it's not that he lived through the first game. It's it's dealing with time and space. Like that's the thing is that like the the I, Aerith... I think it's that I think it's he. Yeah. He has knowledge. He has knowledge that he's failed. I don't know yep. that he's lived through the whole thing, right? Like Sephiroth and, and Aerith's knowledge is incomplete. They they have feelings. They have visions. Yeah. They have yeah. Th- uh, thoughts about what what may have conspired or what may conspire in the future, but they don't know for sure. And I think that that's why they're kind of guiding you blindly a little bit, like. I don't think Sephiroth knows exactly what to do with Cloud, uh, but he but he knows that there's this role like he wants to kind of mentor, push him, or control him. I don't think he knows exactly where to guide him. And same with thing with Aerith, like she's pushing you forward, but it's 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 this journey of exploration for everybody. It's not like we definitely need to do this. It's a choice, right? Like, are you going to come with me? Are we going to go to this place together? Are we going to? see what see what's out there right i so, I, I respect that I, I i like the open, open my, my nature take on my take on Aerith is that she's Aerith over the course of the game learns more of the the scope of what's going on and whether i think that's like through her like communicating with the life stream or or whatever which they i really like the little touches of like showing her like communicating with the life stream in this game um, as she like touches the ground and stuff, but I think that by the end of the game, she's she's aware of of what's going on. Well, yeah, but that's different from they. These are alternate versions of them. Like the way that I, uh, like there was one theory I was reading where it's like they they know of the future. They like they know the possible timeline of what could what could happen, mm-hmm. but they're not. This isn't a reliving or a separate timeline from the original necessarily. It's it's a they know what could happen. But and the life stream, they're finding it out or whatever. And by the end, like it does change because of the the fight with the whispers. But, I mean, but I, it's I th- not. I uh, this isn't a Sephiroth was defeated once, and now he's like, okay, here's try number two, and now I know what I need to do to 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 change my fate. Like I don't, I didn't get that from there. 
And then it, and it's funny too, because they like with the visions at the end in the whisper scene, it, it felt like the whispers were also telling the rest of the party what the final would be. Like the one where um, they get hit once and they throw red. Like it's basically the ending of Final Fantasy VII, yeah. like Red Thirteen running, right? Yes, yep. yes. So, so to me, it's like okay, the whispers are saying like, don't def- you have to follow fate because this is this is the ending we need. And but Red was that even a good ending? It, and he even says like, if we if we fail, this is the ending. But the, the funny thing about the original game's ending is that it's ambiguous. Or, or, uh, it's very yeah, it's ambiguous. ambiguous. You, don't know, you don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's good for the planet, but you yeah. don't know if any of the heroes really survive, right? And we, we've talked about this ending before. And w- whether you think it's good or bad is up to interpretation. I think now we're getting a chance to create a new ending to re to kind of reinterpret that it's almost solving that problem of if you didn't like the original game's ending and maybe maybe cloud Aerith, all these characters they wouldn't like what happened they maybe they didn't want to sacrifice themselves and and so much of humanity maybe most of humanity to save the planet if you don't want to make that trade-off now you've got a chance in this new series to have a different ending and i bet you these games end with all the main characters or most of them mm. surviving and most of humanity yeah. surviving it's not going to be the same ending where it's like oh you saved the planet you saved you you prevented the harvesting of mako and there's no meteors going to hit but it's not like everyone is going to die like it's not like it's just going to be animals and plants taking over the world there's going to be people at the end of this series, I, I would guess. Yeah, like that's, I mean, that's kind of my read on it is that I think what this game is saying is that the original ending to Final Fantasy VII might not have been the good ending for all parties involved. And that's why like Sephiroth sees it as, mm-hmm. you know, whatever future he's seeing is, you know, he failed. And I think Aerith's viewpoint of it by the end of the game might be like, oh, we got to change this because, you know, like the the path that led to my, my death and everything, like that that wasn't the way to way to necessarily do things like if she uh, imagine that she knows that if she doesn't die at that middle point in the game the original that the 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 ending you get could have been averted right yeah. or you could yeah. you could have had this like an ending that's better for everybody like i i like that idea a lot yeah like and i mean well well, well maybe, maybe these sequel games are about helping her survive right yeah I mean, we'll uh, we'll talk more but, about. But her death was necessary for well, to save uh, the planet. Let's let's save that for for the where do we go from here? I got I got some thoughts on that. Yes, but yes, yes. There's right. so much else to talk about. Like the like the whispers. Like, w- what purpose are they serving in in this game? But to protect the original. Like, are they are they working with the planet to try to to try to protect the original plot from happening? Um, because that, I mean that is I that mean, is wh- what their whoever, goal is. Their goal is to whatever party whatever party liked the original ending. Whatever party, I, I, it could be even just players. It could be yeah, players that yes. liked that ending. Or, 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 or I love that idea because it ties into uh, like near automata as well. Um, but the idea, yeah, that if whispers belong to the planet, they're, they're entities or spirits from the planet, maybe people that have died along the way and they're trying to make sure their sacrifice is not in vain. 
that they want the the earth to kind of start over again. They or they they want the world to be reborn, right? In a way, uh, so they they have no problem with all these bad people and good people dying if it means a total reboot. And so what I want to call this game, I'm gonna call it Final Fantasy VII Redo, because it's not it's not necessarily. I mean, it is a remake, but it's also a, a, a you're able to redo the ending of the original game and create this new story, right? The the, the end of this game is the beginning of a new story. And it, it could be the same world. You're going to meet some of the same people, but they're going to be completely different. I think I, I, Vincent yeah. Valentine is not going to be the same character. Y- Yuffie is not going to be the same character, right? Like Kate, she like who knows? Like you, you and you see we this character see <laughs> for like for like a yeah. split second, second. right? And I'm yeah. like, and I'm like, oh, it's such a tease. I really wanted to see like the giant. I want to see what the giant Moogle is going to look like, right? It's going to be great. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm. The reason I'm excited about this ending is I, I think it opens up this huge possibility. I don't need to see my favorite characters in HD and 3D or well, HD, 4K. <laughs> I now I get to see, I get to see a different side of them. I get to see them act differently with different motivations and different different goals and different paths. That that's to me that's what's exciting about the end of this game is that we we don't know what's coming next and we're gonna kind of relearn these characters and, and maybe maybe. Maybe Sid won't be an asshole in this next game. Maybe maybe he's going to be endearing. Maybe he's going to be you know a really nice guy. I don't know. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I want to see who he's going to be. You know what's funny is that Sid... Do you, do you guys know off the top of your head how old Sid is supposed to be? And he's always labeled... Thir- 36. He is 32 years old. <laughs> yeah. he, and, and they're <laughs> like, yeah. he's so old. He's ancient. Yeah. yeah. He, he is as old as the youngest person on this podcast right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I mean, like that's what like he's there, lived a full life. There, he has, he has. Yeah. There is a there is a potential to this ending that I mean, I definitely stand in the point where I am very, very excited, like Jordan is for for where they go from here. I have very little confidence that's going to wrap up well. But the whole mm. thing with this game is that it's Kingdom Hearts. Like this is if you look at how Kingdom Hearts was over 15, 20 years, it's kind of like the weird compilation of Final Fantasy VII was like Nomura trying to do Kingdom Hearts he did Kingdom Hearts and then came back to Final Fantasy 7 because like mm-hmm. the fact that this is being called Final Fantasy 7 remake that's not that far off from something like I don't know Kingdom Hearts recoded which I believe or at least a re-chain of memories which is just like a slight retelling of an earlier thing that was a slight retelling of the first game and then then had different conclusions and surprises at the end that's kind of like like this is this is a sequel. This is an entry in the compilation of Final Fantasy VII. This is in the aftermath of everything that happened from that original game. I'll shout out uh, Bob Mackey because he kind of uh, summarized my feelings uh, exactly on the game. Is that, you know, I signed up for Final Fantasy. I didn't sign up for Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I liked 99% of the game. And I think the ending... I, I was saying, I uh, was talking to uh, Jordan before we started this where it's like, I have no problem if they wanted to make like we're at the point where stories are just retold over and over and over again, and that's fine. Like that's that's how it, that's how things work. That's how capitalism works. That's fine. But but to take the uh, original game and, and then to flip it at the very end, I just think is is I don't know. It's, it's disingenuous. Like I just think it's it's not what we're. I'm sure there's lots of people who love it. There's new fans who never played the original that this doesn't mean anything to them. Like, it's just a good story. And I think for those people, like, the game was... The, the ending was probably pretty epic. Uh, it, I mean, it's neat to, to have that fight with Sephiroth and everything. But, 
yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Like, it, it just, it's not Final Fantasy VII. It, it's, it's something else. Well, now. yeah, it's a like, sequel it's to Final weird. Fantasy VII. I don't think it's a sequel. I think they've, but it taken... is. It's a follow up to Final Fantasy VII. It can't be okay. So it it's existing. It's existing at the same time. It's a separate timeline. It's not. A, it's not a, a sequel. I understand your the, the the kind of the meaning of the word. I don't know that it's exactly what's happening here. These two games exist simultaneously, right? Like they're they're side by side, not one in front of the other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's how I feel. And and they kind of diverge at the end, which is yeah maybe a little bit unearned. Uh, they diverge at the end to two different two or maybe even multiple different paths, right? Like we know kind of the original trajectory, but we don't know where this game is heading, right? I think what's going to happen is when all of the games in this uh, remake series are finished, I think we're going to look back at this ending very differently. I think we'll we'll see like oh, okay that made a lot of sense, or no this was really stupid, and I can't believe like they ended this game. This this way and then went off in this direction i think yeah. we'll have a lot of clear maybe a lot of clarity about this ending once we see what they're actually going to do with it i think it's uh, maybe unfair to judge it completely without knowing what's coming next because we know it's part of a series right like you could so to carry on the kingdom hearts comparison you can't really judge uh the the end of king the first kingdom hearts when you know it's a trilogy although they, they came up with all these you know fractions and and spin-offs and all this other garbage but that, that's neither here nor there you couldn't really judge the whole series until you finish the third game, I would say. And then after you play Kingdom Hearts 3, you can look back at the ending of 1 and be like, oh, okay, that, that made sense. It followed into 2, and I see how those things are connected. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I don't know enough about Kingdom Hearts to say, but like, I, I, there's probably a lot of things that are still missing, and it's very yo, obscure. But As someone who like finished Kingdom Hearts 2 and probably felt like I do now about Final Fantasy VII Remake, now I feel like I could have judged Kingdom Hearts after 2. <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. mean like it is like i was i was talking about it with someone recently just like my affinity for kingdom hearts is i played i basically played kingdom hearts one and then like two came out like a couple days later after i finished one and then played two and was super on board with it mm-hmm. kind of kept up with a lot of the spin-offs up until the 3ds one where the 3ds one just kind of completely lost me and and i've actually heard that that is one of the narratively weaker entries in the entire series and I played a little bit of three, but just didn't get that far into it. Um, and from what I gather, like, I don't know, like, like I think Kingdom Hearts got to a point where it became so big and so all-encompassing. Like, to, in order to get the full story, you needed to play, like, like a mobile game for several years. <laughs> like, it's insane. Yeah, um, and I really hope that yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, and, and its follow-ups um, and its sequels, I hope that th- that will kind of keep the keep the thread focused there's there's we're probably in the world where there's going to be some like weird mobile game that never leaves japan or whatever that that winds up being part of the final fantasy 7 remake story uh but i mean we are in a world where in order to totally understand everything happening in final fantasy 7 remake playing and watching everything else in the compilation of final fantasy 7 is kind of the only way to fully understand what's going on right now but i hope it's just a very straightforward like remake the sequel to that, the sequel to that, like, I I think it'll be three parts, maybe, maybe it'll be more, I don't know. Yeah, I could see three parts, and I, I think you, you you nailed it, Neil, with this idea that you you have, maybe you have to have played the original, you have to have played Crisis Core, you have to have watched Advent Children, you have to have done all of those things to fully understand what's been presented here, but even then, I don't think there's enough, I, I do think we need to see 
I, I'm kind of with you. I think it's going to be three parts. Um, uh, if they went any more than that, I think it might stretch on a little bit too long just because it, it's going to be years before we see the second part, presumably. But it, it, in that way, it's also like Kingdom Hearts. Like you have to play all these little side things and, and be witness to all these side stories to really grasp the full one. And I don't love that element. I wish that these were more self-contained. Um, rather than like you know this this spread out multiverse or something like that, I don't know. Although but I mean, I, do, I, I, I yeah, well, I I was just gonna say with some of the stuff like the Advent Children thing that kind of looms large to me is those whispers that you fight are basically like the three little <laughs> Advent Children, um, and then they all form Bahamut, mm-hmm. which is in Advent Children that's what those three little <laughs> Advent Children wind up doing is they form Bahamut Sin yeah. at the end of Advent Children. Like that's the kind of thing where like that's there and there is depth to be gained out of and, and mined out of that to inform uh, a little bit of what the hell Sephiroth is doing. But I also think mm-hmm. that like that, you know, the, 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 the three whispers going into Bahamut, like I think that kind of works on its own too. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but all this side stuff is, is what annoys me because Final Fantasy is always, it's one and done game. Like I know but they have they haven't been, been like sequels. that for like 15 years, man. Well, but you don't like I I 15 you needed to watch King's Glaive. No, you didn't need to. I yeah, played Final did. Fantasy 15. I I never watched that. I never watched that. I but it informs the plot exactly of the game in, in the same way as Advent nah. Children informs Final Fantasy 7 remake. Kingsglaive more so informs the plot of Final Fantasy 15. But there's a difference but there's a difference between wanting to understand the narrative in its entirety and being able to enjoy what the base game presents. And I think with with a yeah. game like Final Fantasy 15, you can enjoy what that story gives to you without knowing what came before and what comes after with the DLC. But but I know there are a lot of people out there. They want the full picture. They want to kind of consume all those little attached stories together and kind of culminate it into one big story. I, I get that you have to do that, and I I think you're right, Neil. They are Square is kind of pushing that direction. Like we think of Final Fantasy 13 broken into three parts. 15 had Kingslave. It had uh, the I don't know if they were like comic books or something like or comic yeah. stories before. And there that, was even that supposed to be a, the, the game and then all the, that DLC, right? But there was supposed to be the Fabula Nova Crystallis with Final Fantasy. Yeah, there was because mm. there was going to be Versus 13 and everything that became 15. Like yeah. like this isn't I guess like the the way Final Fantasy VII Remake is, and I do kind of I don't necessarily disagree that maybe it sucks a little bit that it's so fragmented, but I think as far as what Final Fantasy is. Final Fantasy has been this fragmented multimedia thing for 15 years, and Square has been trying to do that for. I mean, the Spirits Within was kind of the fir- their first entry into that. Um, it, I mean, that was that was. Its I was own hoping thing. we'd get through the podcast without mentioning that that travesty. I mean, it's Spir- but... Spirits Within is better than Advent Children for <laughs> sake. Yeah, it's, it's only fragmented a... <laughs> for the people that want it, though. Like, I can play Final Fantasy X, I can enjoy it, and then move on. And then the people who want to get into the dirty details, they can play X2 and get more details. If you, if I, I could play Final Fantasy, Fantasy 13, I could enjoy it. I didn't have to play the sequel or the, or the, the third one if I didn't, if I didn't care. Like, the, it's always the, the games, the follow-up games that are not part of the main series that are for the people who really love to sweat the details. Like, but I don't like think you said, I... Final Fantasy 15, I can play the game, I can enjoy it, but if I really wanted to jump into all the details, then sure, I could have watched Kingsglaive, but that's mm. not for me, that's for other people who enjoy that stuff. I just want to take the numbered title and enjoy it. But but you can do that with Remake, like for, I mean, I think you said it yourself, like you can you did it with Remake for 95% of the game. And I do, like I will give you that the ending is kind of like a, it's a hell of a left turn. 
Um, but like, I yeah, do think it's, that it's like, too if, abrupt. It's too if, abrupt. if your goal, if your goal is, you know, I just want to be able to enjoy the numbered game. I, I think you could do that with final fantasy seven remake a little less so than the other games. Um, although I do think Kingsglaive is a bigger deal Final Fantasy XV than you're letting on, but the, agree to disagree. But I no. think that remake, I think remake works fine until that left turn. Yeah, well, because they stole the story. It's not the Final Fantasy VII was already a game, but but so but now it they've was. taken That's that game a, and it's a follow up. No, I, well, it's. Uh... I think the trouble is we don't know exactly what this is, and I, I again I don't know that we will know exactly what it is until all the parts are out yeah. and we see kind of where the full story has gone. And how much it diverges from or or is similar to the original game. Uh, the the ending of this game it, it's too abrupt. It it isn't maybe foreshadowed enough, or it's not. I mean, I think it, it's it foreshadowed a lot. But yeah, I know. Like, like I, I, like I, before I, so like I, I guess I guess at this point in the podcast, I watched a let's play for for a good chunk of this game because my PS4 just straight up died. But I uh, early on, I kept on and I kind of avoided saying it as much to you guys because it was just this intense feeling of like it's a sequel. Like, like that's that's what I was feeling as they kept on having Cloud having these flashbacks or flash forwards even, like. Like it's like it was not a straight remake of the game. They were constantly referencing things that had come before, constantly showing like like you know with the whispers guiding you down the path of of remaking Final Fantasy VII. I I'm still with Jordan on that. It's not it's not a sequel. It's a redo. It's a different yeah. timeline. I I don't I don't buy the sequel part. Redo and remake are the are the best words for it because they're they're not it's not trying to be the next game it's not Final Fantasy seven two it's it's this it's just something we haven't really seen before I mean I don't know that I can think of another game or series that has done this where they're almost trying to rewrite what came before rewrite the game that came before and then call the second one a remake it's it, we're we're in uncharted territory here so sequel is is part of it but it's it's also something else it's something new that maybe maybe yeah. other developers are going to try out like it is it is a bold experiment for sure and i have to give namura katasi credit for doing something we've never really seen and and it is honestly in in a way kind of spitting on the faces of, of people like David who expected yeah. the original story. Like you are in, in some ways you're taking that original fan base and you're telling them like, no, screw you. We're not giving you exactly what you expected. And, I, and I, at I the very, the very it, end. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the, it shouldn't, it comes up so abruptly and so suddenly it's not, it's not genuine. It doesn't feel that it's kind of, flowing naturally i suppose like you get to the end of the midgar section you're literally on like the end of the highway of midgar and Aerith is like step into this time portal and okay like yeah. this is literally where the game depart departs yeah. from it's, uh the I original series it, from the original version right <laughs> it's insane it's it's it's, uh. it's beautiful it's beautiful in a way but it's also it's stupid and it, it so that that um, part, it's a middle finger that's what it, it is. is. It's a middle finger. It is. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm excited to see them try I, something I, I, different. It's a middle finger. I like it. Like I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I, I don't. I think it's stupid, but I don't hate it because I, I like the potential that it unleashes. But it's chaos. It's like, it's, it's um, what the, it's entropy, right? It's like, yeah. who, who knows what's gonna happen after we go in here? You know, yeah. like. It makes me think of um, I don't know if you guys watch Community, but there is the the Community episode with the six different timelines. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're in the apartment, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. that's what it is to me. It's that there's one main timeline that's the original, and and 
the ending of this game is is a, a, a pull out from under the rug saying, oh, by the way, you thought you were playing the original timeline, but you're not. You're playing this alternate timeline. I mean, now, now you're it getting is. it. It you, does you pull the rug out. The, it pulls the rug the, out. What this yeah. game is. And that, guess what? That episode of Community was great. It was really good. Yeah. I don't know that the game fully sets you up to receive what happens. It's almost trying to deceive or trick you. It's trying to be an abrupt left turn. And I don't love when that happens. It's almost like a twist for the sake of being a twist. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not saying that we, we can't foresee it because the, the whispers the certainly whispers do the that. Game. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just saying the, the way, the way they present it is not, it's not smooth. It's not, it's very, no. it's, too deliberate it's too like okay here it's it's not it's not a gradual left turn it's a 90 degree left turn and i, I just I, I, I wish there they could have uh, massaged it a little bit but more, i think maybe. i think like i i think back to and it was and another thing that kind of like hit me and it, it a little bit is because i had to play it twice because my system crashed um the sequence where the whispers like make cloud sleep longer through the night so that way he's not there to protect when the whispers attack seventh heaven and then, like, Jesse, yeah. like, is injured and can't go on the fight, which is clearly the Whispers trying to make it like the original Final Fantasy. Because up until Jesse gets hurt, Cloud wasn't going on that that mission. Cloud had to go on that mission mm-hmm. so that way he could, you know, be uh, fall from that ledge and meet Aerith. Like, like that had to happen um, as per the Whispers redoing Final Fantasy VII. And, yeah. and that's when, like, there was this... It was It was, like, Tifa making the comment about how, like, it's almost like they're trying to prevent us from getting there. And and like mm-hmm. like that was and seeing that it was even then when you go to meet Aerith and you have that moment where you're like, Oh, like, I'ma fight these guys, and then the whispers show up and it's like, No, you, you need to escape now. That is that is what the plot is dictating mm-hmm. you to do. Like those were two moments that kind of was like, Okay, like there's something else going on that that, you know, they're building towards that I haven't fully learned. And I do like yeah. I'll, I'll agree that the moment of just like get like come with me if you want to live go through the portal like no that is a that is a bonkers ass moment but I think it's very it like like there is constant foreshadowing that there is something else weird going on throughout the whole game I, I agree I agree but it, it's it's so ham fisted to be like here's the portal to the alternate timeline you know like, yeah. it's it's way too obvious like I, I just just make it you know. More subtle, more gentle, more more sophisticated. It's it's not it's not literary. It's not stylistic. It, it's here's a it's it's just hitting you over the head with a sledgehammer. Oh, now we're in a different timeline because yeah. you're literally jumping into a different timeline. Like it's too much. Like well, I, my, I, my, I wish that'd been yeah. better done. My original feeling right off the bat after like when the game was done was like okay, somebody like they all sat in a room and they said like the game has to end with a final boss and I guess it'll have to be Sephiroth. So we need a way to explain why they fight Sephiroth at the end of the highway, even though they don't do that in the real game. Oh, let's mm-hmm. throw the whispers in. And, and they gave them a reason to be there. Like that, that's my, that's how I initially felt at the time. Like, cause I, I wasn't really looking, I wasn't expecting all this like timeline stuff. Like it made no, it, it just didn't make, I, I guess having played the original final fantasy, why would I be looking for that? Like it didn't because they. That's not how it was. There's an entirely it new sect of characters that are weird. The whispers. Yeah. Well, those other people are just like they're just. We need to turn eight hours into forty. Here's some fun new characters. The whispers are the only difference between the the old and the new. Really, 
And yeah, the, I just thought the whispers were the reason or the or the way to get a final boss at the end of the highway. I don't even know why you fight Sephiroth at the end. Like, I think that cut part could have been cut, frankly. I think the whisper fight is good yeah. enough well, on its own. The thing, the thing I read there. about that was that is that um, the reason you fight Sephiroth is because you had to. He had to trick them into defeating the whispers, which yeah, free, destroys the Fate Bringers. Yeah. So, so the timeline. That's so he tricked them into changing the timeline. He, he tricked them into but basically you fight saving the whispers Zach. first. Mm-hmm. I know, but he. Uh, I think they why thought, do you fight Sephiroth after? I think you're supposed to think that I don't know because the sending f- sucks. That's what. <laughs> oh, there we go. Can we? Can we? Uh, we've we've talked about the ending a lot. Can we move on to something that I think we all very much uh, enjoy before we get to last call? We haven't talked about Zach at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Go on, Neil. So who is who's Zach? Um, Zach is for those for those who haven't played the original game and just see Zach pop up and have no clue. To be fair, he's is. in the original game. He's just barely. <laughs> no, but I mean, if you haven't played the original game and you see Zach pop up, it makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, so for for people who don't know, and if you've made it this far, like bravo for not knowing anything about this and not not looking it up. But so Zach Fair is basically who Cloud was impersonating for the majority of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. He was like the like when there's the the flashback in Nibelheim that uh, maybe we'll be playing as Zach in that flashback. Who knows? Uh, he's he's the he were he's the soldier that works with Cloud. Um, when Cloud is just kind of like a regular, isn't he just like a regular ass like infantryman, so to speak? I mean, I don't think he's, I don't think he's very special. Yeah. He doesn't have any powers or he's, anything. Yeah, right? he's not a soldier. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. yeah Whereas Zach's a, a soldier. He's a grunt. Yeah. yeah. So, because yeah. he he failed to to get into the yeah, program. Yeah, that was it. That's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But so Zach in in the original Final Fantasy VII just kind of like shows up a little bit. I don't really know if his full name is in the game, but I definitely have memories. It's not. It's not Zach Fair. It's just yeah, Zach. Yeah. But I definitely remember yeah. like reading about it you know, a little bit after the fact, whether it was online or in, in whatever Ultimania book. And he, you know, him and Aerith were, they were an item uh, back, back before everything. And then uh, mm-hmm. what you find out in Crisis Core is Crisis Core is a prequel to Final Fantasy VII, which I guess spoilers to Crisis Core, although basically the ending of that game is the uh, very final moments of Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's Zack and Cloud are on their way to Midgar to, like, become mercenaries. Cloud gets his ass kicked or whatever, and then Zack is shot down by Shinra guards. Cloud escapes, and then that's how Final Fantasy VII starts, is he, you know, meets up with Avalanche, gets paid by them, and goes on that whole adventure. So and that's where he gets his Buster yeah, Sword. Yeah, right? he gets he, the Buster he, Sword. He takes from the Buster Zach. Sword from the dead from the dead Zach, and he kind of impersonates yeah. him from that yep. point on, right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, so how this game, how Final Fantasy VII Remake ends is after you know Destiny is eradicated, after the Whispers are destroyed, then Zach has the Z- Z- or Zach Zach survives that attack, um, even mm. though he was fated to die, he survived the attack. And so he's there left with a cloud, with this alternate cloud that got his, his shit kicked in. And there's a, there's a bag of stamp chips that have a different design that they just have a weird slow-mo pass by on it. Uh, it's, it's very, yeah, yeah it's very obvious. Uh, and but... there, there's, there's a question. I think it's someone asking Katase being like, so what's going on with the different stamp chips? And his reply is like, with a smile, like, oh, they're different? That's interesting that you noticed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they they know what they're doing, but I mean, it's implied that that Zach and that Cloud are a different. A, it's a different Cloud than the one that you're playing as. Right, because the Cloud the, the Cloud you're playing as has the Buster Sword. He's from the original game. Yeah. He has he has Zach's sword, but now that the timeline 
has split or merged or you're on a different one, Zack is presumably alive and you're in theory, almost certainly you're going to meet him in the second game. And I I guess the question is whether he's going to be a party member or he's going to be an antagonist uh, or you're going to fight him. Who knows? Like, I think that's one of the interesting things about the next game is finding out what his role is going to be. It's obviously going to be a big one. Yeah. Right. Well, there's still a question of whether they're even in the same universe because with the stamp, like the the picture of stamp being different than throughout Mm -hmm. the game, there was one theory I read that was saying like, so when they defeated the fates in, in this timeline, the fates are dead in all timelines. So now there's like a bunch of Final Fantasy timelines. The the ending of this should be connecting to every other Final Fantasy game that all the destiny has been destroyed and just make it, like uh oh god what's the 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 final Dissidia just end it Dissidia Final Fantasy seven let's go that should be the uh, well that's <laughs> yeah, part it, of the that's part of the reason why I don't I I I hate the ending is because they're like oh well, all these destinies have changed and timelines have changed and it's like come like you're just you're getting on to this weird tangent of like you had the game it was it was uh it had a theme it had a message. And now you're going off into like quantum theory and all this stuff. Like, I do, I do agree I, that I, I think mean, I, this I, I, fundamentally changes what the like what like the overarching theme of Final Fantasy VII kind of it's you know like almost like like a, a pro uh, or, or you know anti um, anti uh, I guess like pro climate and um, the, like the theme that underlies throughout all Final Fantasy VII like that is now yeah. significantly changed and. I know yeah. that, I, like, very, very obviously, David, we disagree. In in my opinion, um, my take on it is that I, I got to play Final Fantasy VII. Like, I think it's a pretty solid RPG. Like, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the characters in that PlayStation 1 game. Um, and playing it on Switch last year was a ton of fun. Uh, give me something yeah, Give great. me something new and different. That's It's part of the reason why, like, the, the you know, going from turn... I was, I was very much reticent of turn-based to uh, the action RPG that it wind up with, but it was, it took someone mentioning to me being like, well, if you want to play the turn-based game, like you go play the original, like they're, they're doing something new here. And yeah, it might like, I, I, I have a lot of concerns about them actually sticking the landing on this because like, if, if I were a betting man would not be betting on them sticking the landing, but I like that they're doing something different with it and it could very easily blow up in their face. I'm totally on board with like, I'm totally agree. I want something new and different taking the original game and just screwing around with it at the end is not new and different to me. Like mm. Final Fantasy 16 would have been new and different. This is Final Fantasy Take, the, take I... the same combat. Well, it's not because they're they're appropriating the story and then just changing it at the end. So it's it's like, oh, people didn't... I don't know if there's like this, okay, well, we lost some of our old, our old guard or all, the fans that used to enjoy the turn-based. You know, they played Final Fantasy 15. They didn't like it. So now we got we got to get these people back. Well, we'll trick them into thinking they're playing Final Fantasy VII, but they're really playing a new game, and I don't like that. I I'm with you, David, in that I I I don't want the next game to be all these like oh, there's ten different timelines, and in this timeline Zach lives, and this one Cloud lives, and this one Tifa becomes Zach, and this one Aerith is Sephiroth. Like I don't want that. Is I I Aerith want there to be like two. 
<laughs> they got the th. They got the th in there. I I want it to be two just two separate timelines, and and we we hop over from the original to this new one, and then the original is kind of done with. Now that the whispers are maybe with if, if the whispers are gone or dead, now we've we've completed that jump, and we're not going back. We're not talking about the old one anymore. Zach is in the new timeline, and we're just gonna play the new timeline. That's what I'm hoping. If they do all this time travel garbage and different alternate universes and timelines i'm not gonna like that i think david and i would agree yeah, that, that I, would really I, I sour our that. experience so i i can't imagine that that would really make anyone happy but i feel like it, there's a potential for square to do that because of something like kingdom hearts yeah yeah and i think so that's I'm where they're going we don't but yeah that, that's that's where i think this is leading is is yeah. uh this alternate uh you know, we could have multiple clouds and multiple Sephiroths I mean, and all this stuff. And then, like, no, like this. Okay, now, uh, but, but hang on. Think, We're definitely getting into last call here. One, We're definitely one, getting into last one, call. Let's, one, let's save have, it. One, one, we already are in a world with multiple Sephiroths in this game. But I also think from everything that they've presented in Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, like, I do agree that there's a chance that it could get to uh, Silly Season. But as of what's shown right now is that there are clearly there's it's two two timelines, two dimensions, two realities or whatever. Mm -hmm. They haven't really intimated that there's anything more than that. That's the, the problem is they haven't intimated anything like we we're I think we are very much left on this uh, this cliffhanger yeah. of where the game could go next. So I, I, I suppose our we, we can have faith that they'll do it right. But I think I think most of us on this podcast are pessimistic about their chances right like <laughs> yeah. I, we're, we're we're not none of us here are like oh man i can't wait for this the second game is gonna be awesome it's gonna be better than this I one mean, like we have no idea right? i like I, I i can't wait for the second one i just i i can't say for sure it's gonna be great or not like it's it's <laughs> that, how i feel it, right it's it's i mean and maybe this is a really terrible thing to invoke but it's kind of how i felt a little bit with the last couple seasons of game of thrones and star wars post force awakens in that I had a feeling that there's no way that, you know, in Star Wars and Game of Thrones that they could, you know, actually live up to the promise of what had come before. And I think when push comes to shove, uh, you know, everybody's allowed to their own opinion, but I think we can all kind of agree Game of Thrones and Star Wars uh, got bad, got weird. And I think that like that's 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 the future that I kind of anticipate for this game is at some point I'm going to play one of these Final Fantasy seven parts two through seven or whatever and just be like, uh okay they jumped the shark now now uh-oh mm -hmm. but until that point until i play that game that shatters my hopes i am so excited to see like whatever whatever comes out of an ultimania whatever like whatever nonsense nomura says while he's wearing a jacket with 15 zippers uh whatever katase says is damage control for whatever nomura just said like i'm so mm -hmm. excited for the theory crafting and hype cycle for the next game if anything, this game succeeded in creating that. Yeah. Like there, people are still talking about this game a month after it came out. Like there, there, there is still buzz. There is still excitement. There is still discussion and discourse about it. And whether you're optimistic or pessimistic, it probably doesn't matter because there's really no way to know what this next game is going to look like. It, it's all it's all up to speculation, yeah. right? And again, I mean that's good. It's good to speculate about what something's going to be. Uh, I, I I hope it's good. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Can we talk about Walmart? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk, talk about, about Walmart, Walmart and then we can talk more deliberately about Yeah, what we we'll, we'll do a little bit more speculation. But Walmart is cool as hell. Up. That's the last part that I played before oh. my PS4 died. 
I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you got a chance to play it. David and I had the kind of we stopped. Uh, I think we stopped a session kind of just at the exact same moment where we're just walking to Walmart. There's a guy at the beginning of the uh, that area. He's like he's like kind of offering to see if you and Aerith want to. What is he like? If you want to go to a hotel room together, yeah. or if you want it's to like, like work uh, for him or something like that. You guys like become for a good sex time, workers. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 hard. I don't know what he's want exactly, but it's it's something untoward for sure. Yeah. Uh, so what, what David, what about Walmart stood out to you? Like when you're exploring this area, doing the side quests and main story there, like what, what was, what were your highlights there? It's just uh, like the glitz and glamour. Like it's, it seemed like the Las Vegas of Midgar. It was. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and just doing, it's funny. Like there was the, the side quests where, you know, you're like, okay, well you have to go try to convince Chocobo Sam of, of letting you in. And then you find it while well, he actually chose Tifa. And yeah. then um, you went to Madame M, and then that's that's who like who you get to to do with Aerith, and and even that scene with with Madame M is hilarious because uh, we had we had mentioned it in in the podcast last week where yes. we both chose like the luxury the luxury hand massage I guess it was, but that whole scene was so weird, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like because it's like you know what they're in, intimating here, but it, it's yeah. all just based out his palm. Yeah, the sexual innuendo was high, yeah. or the yeah. sexual tension was I, high. And then he walks, uh, he walks out of the room, and he can't even stand. He's so like, I didn't he's, think he's just leaning on the wall, and he's not listening to what's going on. And Eris yeah, like, awesome. what, what, what happened in there? And he's like, yeah. oh. when, uh, when, when we first heard about Final Fantasy VII remake, it never in my wildest imaginations did I think they'd be as quite as ridiculous with Wall Market and and everything that yeah. came out of it. I'll tell you, I was not expecting a dance rhythm yeah. game in Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious too. I actually really liked that character. Uh, was it Andrea or Andrea? Yeah, yeah Andrea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought uh, that that character was really uh, just really interesting. Like I, I, I thought they were going to be more villainous, but they weren't. Um, and then yeah, to have that dancing mini game, I wasn't really anticipating that at all. Uh, I love the when you go to the gym and you train with the guys and you do the uh, the squats and then you come back with Tifa and you do the yeah, uh, the, chin ups. Uh, the chin ups. Yeah, I'm yeah. like they, they they found a very clever way to make Wall Market tasteful and and exciting, interesting. Yeah. Like a place you want to explore. I think you you want to do all the side quests there. The funny thing about the game is, if I'm not mistaken, it's the one area where you can't do everything. You have to go back after you beat the game, it unlocks a um uh, a chapter select option. So you can go back to chapter 9 and you can go back and do the side quest that you missed because there's two that you can't do. You have to go back and do a do a different sequence. I did them at the time. You did all you of them? Can't. Yeah. You can't do which you one can't. Do all, which one can't two, you do? You there's two you yeah. miss. You either do two for Madame M or two for Chocobo Sam. You can't do both. Uh, David, I guarantee you, if you go back and look at your side quests, you'll have twenty four out of twenty six. Yeah, that's that's the way it works. I, I'll double check because because there was no there was no question marks on mine. I, I I'm not sure what it is, but they, they, I know there's two you can't do. They they're they're, they're locked yeah. to you. Are you mean like in the side quest thing in the menu? Yeah, like so, so when the, you go into the that will that will only surface shows you all the quests that you could do. Yeah, that will only surface when you so like you have that point where you make those decisions. Um, it will only surface what you can actually do. Yeah, you'll only get question marks for two, even though there are four side quests. I, I'm sure it's, of it. it like you, you have I, to go back it's, to chapter. It's something that really I'm just, I think yeah. really sucks about the game. I'm just looking the fact up, that you have to play yeah, through that entire chapter if you want to. 
100% complete it. And I've heard that the... Fortunately, it is one of the better chapters. Yeah. Like, if you were going to replay anything, at least it's it's the wall market area, right? Yeah. I think we will agree. Like, the side quests there, the mini games, the people that you meet, it's all a very much a highlight of the game. I, uh, I, from what I've heard, the reward is not worth it. So, I don't know. Unless, I, unless you want to get I, a platinum. I don't think it's worth doing. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about that until I saw what some of the platinums are, and they involve, like, hard mode. And I'm like, no, I no thanks. I'm not going to go through hard mode. So. Oh, okay. I, I see where it's based on. It's it's based on uh, when you're first there. So, yes. for the Madame M quests, uh, you do not participate in Sam's coin toss, and you choose the expensive massage course. Which I did that's both right. of that, those. So that's that's what we yeah. got. Yeah, that's the one yeah. we got. So to get the Chocobo Sam ones, you would have had to have picked heads or tails and then chose yeah. the poor man's massage course. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's weird. It is yeah. weird. Like, and it, it's the it, only thing I, like I, it. I think we, yeah. we, we, we don't love that in a game when you have to go back and do a second playthrough for yeah. side content. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, it's still a really cool area. And I... I just enjoyed spending so much time there. It was it was a long chapter that didn't feel long. There are chapters in this game that drag on, especially near the end, uh, and even chapter eight before oh, with it, when you meet Eric. But this one felt oh god, Hell House. Oh, it, it's great. Yeah, yeah. The Coliseum it, 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 was amazing. I loved Hell House. The Coliseum is awesome. It, it's really really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That boss that boss was brutal for me. Like I I didn't have the right spells and I, I wasn't able to interrupt it as much and I it took me everything I had. It took me a long time to finish that one, but. It yeah, really, it was really fun. One of the harder, I, one of the harder battles in the game for me. Yeah, you know? I think so. Yeah. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. This is the last call for alcohol. Get going. All right, should we get to the last call okay. of uh, what what we expect? So, so we have to predict well, so what we think before, the next game is going to be. Do you guys, um, I guess I'll just say, did either of you finish the Chadley side quests? Not um, entirely. You, no, I, I, got, no I got one do left. You, I, it's the... th- there is a payoff for it. Do you want me to just not say it and you guys want to discover it on your own? It's Well, you get Bahum. Bah- Bahum. The, the, there's, there's another payoff for it. You can say it because I'm pretty sure it's a I'm spoiler. Ready. I'm I'm probably okay. Not go so back so Chadley yeah, really Chadley like is Chadley actually a robot it. made by Hojo to test test Cloud's uh, battle prowess. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> that's hilarious! I like yeah. that a lot. No, and yeah. that also explains why Chadley just appeared everywhere else. Like that's the part of it that I like the yeah. most. Yeah. Is because I was just yeah. like, why is this kid just following me everywhere? And it's it's because no. he's a robot. His yeah. his last the last one the last thing that you have to do I think is just crazy. Like you have to get full material on all of the, yeah. all of the elements, and I think that's nuts because because oh, the raise lot, one yeah. takes forever. Yeah, and, I and... played the whole I played the whole game. Tifa had raise. I didn't didn't level it up. <laughs> well, she had the yeah. whole game. Uh, so I had I think five thousand was the max, and I was at twelve hundred when I got to the um, simulator in Shinra Tower. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll just do a couple matches, and maybe we'll see how close I am. I got like yeah. an extra forty. Yeah, I was like, 12, well, you need you need that a, like you need it's... that AP you need that AP up material. I was telling you about the one that the, yeah. the running one turns well, into. That, even that's the only that only doubles it. it, so it I know, still would have been forever. It's still would take forever. <laughs> so yeah. like, yeah, there's no way I'm doing it. Like that's yeah. hours of time. But... I imagine there's some of the battles in either hard mode or in that uh, simulator that you need to have re-raise for. Yeah, but 
yeah i don't know yeah so what so what's next where's the game gonna go from here what do we what do we want i, I guess what do we want from the sequel or the next game i mean neil what I, do you think what are you what are you hoping for uh, 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 make the keep on building on the combat uh add in new characters like keep that like i hope red 13 is as interesting and fun to use as tifa cloud barrett and Arathar. i guess like i mean i don't even know who else playable wise like i i do 100 percent think that zach will be playable either via flashback or you know may, maybe zach replaces cloud at some point he could replace him if cloud uh has that amnesia spell or that spell where he gets knocked yeah so lose in front of the party be cool if zach and, and i do think judging from from what's been said by like katasa and nomura like i think while the story might go off in different places i think you're gonna hit the same locations like you're probably gonna go to fort condor for something um, you're gonna go to calm like you're you're gonna you're gonna hit these you're you're probably gonna have very similar versions of of key moments from final fantasy 7 throughout all these all these parts however many there are and i i don't know if it'll be open world like that's kind of the one thing people keep on theorizing that'll be open world but i kind of i don't know if this game would work or or be able to be it finished it can't um if they went open world in a sequel like i think they kind of need to keep it the linear game that that it was it's too cinematic yeah. it's too it's too produced right you can't you can't have an open world game that also has these kind of cutscenes, these kind of graphics this kind of this kind of storytelling it just doesn't work that way so uh, yeah i think it's gonna be very much a linear game i think that there might be some open world segments near the end of it i think oh i think gold saucer will make a return and probably yeah. be an open world type area you know uh so you might have you'll probably have the mini games again at places like uh, where you do the snowboarding, where you do the Fort Condor thing, like they seem to have a reverence for those mini games. Even if like the the original games haven't aged super well, they seem to want to bring them back in some form, which I appreciate. So I'm eager to see what those look like. Um, I I don't think yeah. So I'm I'm with you, Neil. I think it's going to be linear. I think open world doesn't really work. Uh, I do think they are going to change the story up. Uh, a fair bit they're going to keep on that tangent now that we're in this separate timeline i think you'll go to places in a different order i think that the i'm really excited to see if if, if there are going to be a bunch of new characters that join your team uh not not even necessarily just playable but like the fact that you had the avalanche people fleshed out i wonder if there's going to be other characters that similarly get fleshed out like um uh what's his name red 13's dad or what, what's the Steven guy the, the old guy who kind of flies around yeah i, I want to see him like your you know, Bugen Hagen's gonna tell you what's going on with these timelines. He's the man who dropped knowledge be, about the live stream. It'd be cool if he like joined your party for a little bit, just kind of floated around with you while you go to all these different places. You know, um, I, I I'd like to see Aerith not die. Maybe another character dies. Like, so things like that. Like I I'd be eager. I to think see. there's. I think that's kind of the the last thing. I mean, I could talk about this game all day, but uh, Aerith's death, like there's going to be a swerve. Like I would be shocked if they're just like, and she got stabbed by Sephiroth at the city of the ancients again. I think that you have, th I think there's three key possibilities for Aerith's death. One is it is, it is avoided. Uh, and then Aerith winds up sacrificing herself uh, later in the game. Cause she realizes like That's she has I to think. go. I think it happens. It happens at the end. Yeah. My, my second option is I think that uh, you go to the city of the ancients and there's a lot of tension and you expect Aerith to die. And then another party member, uh, which they kind of, yes, they already did that with Barrett, too. which, so it would be, be weird to have it, have it be Barrett again. I think that if my, my odds on favorite for a, uh, Aerith replacement, uh, would be Tifa, um, Tifa being the character that would die. Like that would be an absolute gut punch. And honestly, 
would probably feel similar to playing Final Fantasy VII as a kid and getting to that point where Aerith is killed um, if Tifa were to were to get offed in that in that same area in a similar fashion. It could be convenient if it's Zack instead who kind of comes in at the last minute and he's the sacrificer. He's like, you know, you know, leave us, let me fight Sephiroth, and then Sephiroth kills him, you know, like kind of like an Obi-Wan Kenobi so, thing. I could I could see that happening. I also and, and my my third one is kind of on that same tangent, and I feel like it might cause David to not play a third part, um, is Cloud being the one who is killed. Um and then Zack replaces <laughs> oh him as God. a character. Like like so like you would still have a character who controls like Cloud and this is also on the the hope and basis that Zack is developed um, in in the second part or the third part or however long. I think that um, a second part, if they, I feel like if they're doing three parts, second part probably ends with City of the Ancients. Um, if they're doing more than three parts, um, I think you could probably do something where um, the second part ends around Cosmo Canyon and. Mm-hmm. Possibly, if you're going to keep on doing the uh, the, the quote-unquote Kingdom Hearts stuff, um, then you have Bugenhagen do some backstory near the end, and then maybe that spins off into whatever weirdness. Okay, David. Uh, I don't a, know. It, it's, it's, not even, it's not even Final Fantasy VII anymore. Like, <laughs> when you start getting into this, this is crazy. Well, yeah, because it's like, a follow-up. No, it's... it's. I, I don't... I think capitalism will prevent Cloud from leaving as the main protagonist. It's going to stay... A, as cloud i don't think i wouldn't be shocked if zach is never mentioned again I, like i think they might have just used that flashback to to as a as a means of showing you that there's this is a different timeline now possible yeah and then possible. they just never bother bringing I, it up again i strongly disagree and uh was, i'm sure they do change it up like katase and nomura uh, like their like their zach fair the zach fair like they made a game all about zach fair yeah, I don't know. But, Which David is David is going to play after this podcast? <laughs> uh, I'd be shocked if he was a playable character, but I mean, all like the, I guess they it wouldn't be that difficult because it's all it really just is. Be clown. is a, like a character, yeah. Cloud. Like, that's, that's, yeah. that's why I think that Zach is even potentially a playable character because I don't think there will be any other playable characters that weren't playable in the original game. Um, but I think that Zach, you could just it's just Cloud. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, my honestly, I hope the next Final Fantasy game is sixteen. <laughs> I that, that's the best way. I, I want the best way to end last. I would call. like to. Yeah. I would like, like to be take the combat, take the this? combat mechanics, um, and stick it in sixteen. That's, that's so. That's fine so you me. said that capitalism, uh, you know, it, it's gonna win because Final Fantasy VII remake. Let me tell you, it's selling pretty well. Well, yeah, because most of us thought we were playing Final Fantasy VII again. Well, I mean, it's the whole thing of like, like it, it, it takes it takes like two games before uh, companies actually know that people hate a thing. It's like with Paper Mario, like Sticker Store s- sold really well. I I think if they end with Cloud dying and Zack taking over, and then we're expected to play a Zack in three, they might as well just flush <laughs> the sales down the toilet. I like I yeah, I I don't I I agree with you in that like I think that but they they literally just ended a game. By just putting their balls on the table, like so, if where do you go from there? By just like putting putting everything on the table, twig and berries. I there's no I I <laughs> I think it'd be insane of them to kill off Cloud. I think to me Cloud is Final Fantasy VII, and you've done. Yeah. I, I get that this is a different game, but I, you've you've done so much in this first game, bi- making him this likable, more sympathetic character. He's got so much more personality now. He's got the level of personality he had 
at the end of the original game and you've still got two more games with him so in theory he's going to develop even more like to get rid of him would be yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, why, it would be a par for the course, maybe. Yeah. But <laughs> why develop a character that far just to replace him with a mirror image that has zero development whatsoever? Well, I mean, we'd also it we'd also if if this were to happen, of... we'd probably have forty hours of more cloud development and possibly Zack development. And also, as far as Final Fantasy VII with killing off a character that they developed over the course of a game, well. I mean, they're, they they're, it's one of the most famous yeah. examples of doing like, that, like, right? Like, I, uh, I would be annoyed if they killed off Cloud, so I agree with you. I'm just, I guess I'm making the case that, like, I think it's a non-zero chance. Well, and the only way Zack can come in is if now, now we're taking two separate timelines and they're somehow merging, because Zack shouldn't be in the timeline that we're playing in now. But maybe he, but the whole whispers dying at the end, and now Zach is alive. So that's like a separate timeline, and we know it's a separate timeline because of the stamp yeah. picture maybe, on the maybe, chips. Maybe the timeline. So those are merge. two timelines. So then, I, I think so then, merging. flush the game down to it. <laughs> like I don't want, <laughs> I don't want timelines merging and all this. All right, stuff. so like, Jordan, just, Jordan, when we record uh, the the next Final Fantasy VII uh, podcast in a couple of years, because David look, will play it. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I, 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 David might not play it, but I think I, I still want him on the podcast just to hear what his interpretation of the bloody game is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm still going to play it, but if uh, I'll be cursed and swearing the whole time, if, if all of a sudden there's like, oh, play this timeline for a bit. Now play this timeline. Oh, no, I do. And like, I mean, oh, if, no, if we are no. looking at, at, you know, using Kingdom Hearts as a guide, for example, since I think that like, yeah, uh, like once again, very apt complaint to be like, why is there Kingdom Hearts in my Final Fantasy? Because literally it's the Kingdom yeah, yeah. Hearts team making a Final Fantasy game. If you go by that, what the Kingdom Hearts game do do a very good job of is that they, they basically, like, Kingdom Hearts has their Disney their Disney worlds. Like, that's the core gameplay of the game. And those honestly have very little impact on the overarching story throughout all of Kingdom Hearts. And the way a lot of those games are structured is that, like, you'll go, like, you know, go to Ale- go to Agrabah. You, you go to the Beast's Castle. You go to where Tarzan is. You go to the jungle. And then, like, the last couple hours will be the, like, now you're in, like, whatever hellscape that is created by Maleficent and Organization 13. And, and like, Pete's bad now. The guy from Goofy stuff. Like, like, when you get to those points, like, it's always, like, the last couple hours are overarching story plot development so that is kind of what i expect going forward with these final fantasy 7 games is that you're gonna get like like you said with final fantasy 7 remake you had 95 percent that you really liked i think okay maybe the percentage is going to be more like 90 10 in the future ones because now they've kind of set that stuff into motion but i think you're gonna get that you know that that combat those familiar moments those familiar beats in kind of you know a new upgraded glory um, you know, new characters that only had brief asides getting developed. I think you're going to have that. And then the last couple hours of each part will just be batshit insane. I don't know what that, that it's about remake. The The best part is that it's stays tr- the parts that stay true to the original game. I think it's just the way those parts are done, right? Like again, the voice acting, the way that the game looks, the, the storytelling, it's all, it's all very interesting. It's all very engaging. So if they do that with the second game, like if they tweak the combat a little bit, it, you're like, yeah, you're right. It's still gonna be a very fun game to play. 
I hope that they don't end the second game with another, like, a right, an abrupt right turn this time. Like, oh, we're going back to the original timeline, you know, like, something stupid like that. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. I think the second game, I think it's going to be enjoyable. I, I don't, I don't really care too much that it's not going to be the original game because we, again, we, we've got that. We can play that if we want to. Um, I just hope they're, they're, the, the way they deliver story and those key kind of moments or key twists is done with a little bit more style. That's all. Yeah. I, and that's the biggest problem I, is, is that it just feels cheap. It just feels, it feels like, you know, you played a certain way, you go through everything and then they just flip it all on its head in the last five minutes. And it kind of erases all of the development that they just did. But like, but like, it's not it's a good. It's, it's uh, not a good way to tell a story. I'll I'll still keep on contending that I I think a lot of, like maybe the the degree of the the you know the the sharp left turn, maybe maybe like the the, the degree of it is is intense, but it's it's peppered throughout the game, foreshadowing that. I think we have to end here because we're just going to. We, we have definitely entered the circular discussion. Oh, there's one thing. Um, <laughs> yes, we I, have, I've we got have. one thing. Um, the voice <laughs> acting is uh, across for the main cast, at least, because there's some of the incidental yeah. stuff where it's you know coming out of like a Skyrim creator character, like where he's mm. just like, I oh, got these monsters, you gotta fight. Uh, but the main cast is is yeah. phenomenal. Like I think I think it's every, really really good. It, it's yeah. it's kind of funny in comparison to Charles of Mana, which has some of like the the most the I know, worst I voice it's acting I've day, heard yeah. in a triple A game, or at least like one by a major publisher. Yeah. Uh, but like really, the the voice cast in Final Fantasy VII Remake knocks it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I do, and I like uh, it's uh, Superman from the CW shows. Tyler Hoechlin um, does Sephiroth. Oh, and yeah. I think he does a really good job. Uh, I think that dude who voices Cloud is like twenty. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic, and the music, the soundtrack is like out of this world, incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Never yeah, in a I, million I, years did I think they'd do that good of a job of that. I do want to quickly mention the soundtrack just before we uh, leave off here, because we we kind of teased it or teased that we would talk about it a little bit uh, last episode. I I think it's really good. It's the my problem with it is it it's so many just variations on the same songs rather than maybe entirely new songs. So you'll hear a familiar song played so many different ways, maybe at different intensities or with yeah. uh, different instruments or something like that. And so I, I think, for, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have like a, I think I prefer the original. I think that's kind of where, where I've come down, but I, I appreciate maybe what they're doing with kind of experimenting with those original tracks and really making them something different. Uh, it, it, they do feel very much like background noise in this game just compared to the action and the storytelling that's happening. Uh, whereas in the original game, I thought the music was a bigger part. And obviously it is because there's no voice acting in the original game. So uh, different different experience uh, in terms of the audio or the sound, just the sounds, the yeah. music that you're hearing. Um, the voice acting really stood out to me in the remake, whereas the soundtrack took up more of a backseat, even though I do think it's low-key very good. Okay, so that, that I mean, we, we've had we've obviously gone over our time. I think we kind of expected that, just with how kind of controversial the ending is. Um, so you know, thank you for sticking with us for uh, an hour and forty five minutes here. Uh, a little bit of a longer spoiler cast, but that happens when you've got uh, you know a lot of uh, uh, divisive opinions about the way a story is told, especially that ending, uh, and just a, re- a really big game of twenty twenty that uh, people are going to be talking about for a long time as we anticipate the second and maybe third or fourth entries uh, to come down the line. 
fine. Neil, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, obviously, uh, what uh, what are you working on right now? Where, where can people find you? What uh, What's going on uh, in your neck of the woods? My game of the year is coming out next week. Uh-oh. It is under embargo, but uh, I guess it's got RPG elements, Super Mega Baseball 3. Um, I don't think how much else I can say, since I believe this will come out when it is still under embargo. But I think the embargo is yeah. up on like May 12th. So I'll leave it at that. Um it's got it's got even more RPG elements because you've you've added Final Fantasy characters yeah, yeah, to I, your roster. You know what? I, I I will. I mean, it'll be like a day or two, and if they really want to give me hell for an uh, a brief mention at the end of a of a totally unrelated podcast, yes, I made a team that is. Uh, uh, they are the Ancients. Uh, they are in the Avalanche Division in the Shinra League. And it is made up of Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VI characters. Because I kind of got to a point where, like, I, I didn't want to go too far into the bench of Final Fantasy VII characters. So then I just went into the Final Fantasy VI playable characters. So my starting pitcher is Aerith. Uh, my number two is Terra from Final Fantasy VI. My closer is Vincent Valentine. Because I felt like he was kind of like one of the last characters that you get in Final Fantasy VII. He's closing. Um, Zach mm-hmm, Fair is a, is a pretty good reliever. He's been doing good work. Barrett is is my hot shot right fielder. Cloud's playing center field because, of course, Cloud and Barrett need to be next to each other. Um, Tifa just struck me as the perfect second baseman. So so that's her position. What else? Who else did I have? Uh, Kate, Kate She is, uh, is my catcher because that seemed like, you know, like whatever the hell that thing is on a Moogle seemed like a good catcher. Kate also sounds like catcher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Red 13 has been playing a lot of first base, but he can also play outfield. Who else? Oh, I, I did make Jessie mainly because I found out that her last name is Blueberry. So it's funny to have a character named Jessie Blueberry play shortstop. That's very good. I, I'd, I'd, for, I'd forgotten that they, uh, a lot of the characters get last names. Or if you look at some of the supplemental materials, yeah. you get uh, last names and first names for characters. Yuffie hit like a pinch, a pinch hit home run. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> I guess everyone could look forward to uh, Neil's review of Super Mega Baseball. I think you uh, you might have an idea of where he's leaning towards that uh, for that game. So that'll be that'll be out next week on NWR. Uh, I imagine you're doing a video review yeah, for that yeah. one, Neil, as well. Yeah. Okay. So you can catch that on uh, our YouTube channel, NWR TV. Um, David, what kind of what kind of reviews have we got coming up on the Thursday Mage, or what have you been posting lately on the website or on the YouTube channel? Uh, well, this week we've got uh, Cloudbase Prime, which is a, a first-person platformer. Um, mm-hmm. We've also got Lonely Mountains Downhill, which is a, an excellent, excellent uh, biking game. Um, it's it's just uh, the the type of game that you need if you're stuck indoors and uh, you want to at least pretend like you're enjoying nature. That's right. And, yeah, uh, a little bit of practice, a little bit of practice before some of the restrictions uh, are lifted, and you're able to go out and do your own uh, uh, mountain biking downhill. Yeah, exactly. And then um, I imagine by the time this is out, the we both played um, in I think it's Infinite Beyond the Mind. I think it's yeah, called. that's right. Yeah, yeah. it's so a funny which, title. Yeah, it's kind of uh, along the lines of uh, I got Mega Man vibes just based on the level design. Other like yep. obviously you're not blasting things, you're punching them, but uh, I still got that kind of vibe with the way that the it's kind of like a short level with the boss at the end. So it was yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. an action platformer. I, I Mega Man's a good comparison. I likened it to uh, Ninja Gaiden. Or even Strider yeah, it reminded me a lot of. So yeah, we you, you'll have a review on uh, on thirstymage.com uh, on our website and on YouTube for that one, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, and and I'll have one on uh, NWR TV and uh, NintendoWorldReport.com, so you can check out both of our reviews and see uh, you get a good uh, picture of what that game is. I I think I think it's uh, quite fun actually. So. Hmm. Um. Okay. Uh. 
yeah so what else do we need to shout out so uh if you enjoy the podcast we hope that you will uh subscribe to our uh, podcast uh, on your player of choice whatever app you use we're on spotify of course you can leave us a review uh let us know what you think of the podcast that'd be great uh, if you've got specific feedback or requests for certain games that you'd like us to cover uh you can email david at the or reach out to the po- uh, the podcast's uh, Twitter handle uh, at the Thirsty Mage as well. I've got a we're, we're going to be talking about Trials of Mana in uh, in a week or so. I think uh, Casey's going to join us for that one, so that'll be a fun uh, episode. Uh, and I, I imagine we'll have a, a maybe a crossover coming up soon with Tog Nintendo. We haven't done that in a little while, uh, so yeah, lots of good content coming up very soon. Uh, check out the Thirsty Mage website uh, for all, all of David's reviews and the YouTube channel. Uh, we also have a contest going on. David, do you want to give the details about the contest again? Three games that we're giving away as we hit uh, different milestones on YouTube. So the first one is 250 subscribers. We're, as of tonight, we've actually already passed 220, so we're only nice. uh, a few away. And we'll be uh, doing a giveaway for Shimagama Tensei 4 on the 3DS. And then when we hit 500, we'll be giving away uh, uh, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door on GameCube. And then the big one at the end when we hit 1,000 is the a uh, super rare game published copy of Flame in the Flood. So that comes with um, everything that comes with the super rare games. It's the, uh, the, the trading cards and the stickers and... Um, uh, it, it is the second game they published, so it's no longer uh, available. Uh, it, so if it, it's either win it this way or pay big bucks on eBay for a copy. That's right. It has literally become super rare now. So yeah. a, a, a nice prize to, to get us at the end there. Um, I, I want to shout out one thing before we wrap up here. Uh, I did a... Uh, a, a editorial or a feature on nwr uh, about the timelessness of Mega Man 2 uh, so you can read that uh, read that editorial on the website or check out that i did a youtube video as well for that on nwr tv uh, and i'm gonna it's gonna be part of a series that i'm working on so the next game uh i put a poll up and it looks like it's going to be uh, a link to the past uh over final fantasy 6 although i'll probably do both at some point so i've got uh, another one on link to the past coming up soon hopefully later this month i'd like to do one every month uh, but yeah, so a lot of good content we're all working on right now uh, and an interesting podcast coming up next week with Casey and Trials of Mana. Uh, I think that's everything. Um, thank you, Neil, for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Obviously a very heated discussion, but uh, we were happy to have you. And yeah, I guess we'll talk to everybody soon. Thanks for sticking with us for a longer episode this week. Bye. 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 Bye.